This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. First time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah, yeah. With Ken Laird from the Kirk and Callahan Show. What a bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. And Bruins writer Matt Calvin. We need this win, you know. We got a lot of losses. To yeah, we got a lot of losses. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Star Market. Lace them up for some bees talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI. Headline in the Tampa Bay Times this morning is why it's not as bad as it looked for Tampa. The post-game quote from Steven Stamkos, other than the score, I thought we played pretty well. <laughs> this after a 6-2 Bruins win in game one yesterday at Amelie Arena. A little matinee flavor. Matt Kalman, welcome. And I know we have established now in round one that you are a David Posternock hater. So I was going to pose the question to you. What's the bigger story from game one? The Bruins' top line coming alive again or Tuka Rask? Maintaining composure, mostly, mostly, <laughs> and having an outstanding game. Uh, bigger yeah. story in game one for you well, from yesterday. Well, Pasternak not finishing yesterday is stupid. It's just a stupid play. But uh, for- what was your, you want to establish your question again? Just There was a little bit of drama in the postgame in round one with you. And, what did you ask Pasternak? Uh, no, it was, in the, it was after practices before oh, game practice. seven. Okay. Yeah, and I asked him. He hadn't scored in three games, and I just said, <laughs> what, what adjustments do you have to make so you start scoring again? Very, very uh, incendiary question there, I'll tell you. I, w- I was really taking my knife out at him. And his reaction was? And he gave uh, the answer that you're supposed to give, which is just about, you know, trying to keep doing what you're doing and blah, blah, blah. I couldn't even tell you the answer because I don't really listen when they, when they respond. But then I heard the part where he said, and that was a stupid question. Tucked it into the end? Yep, tucked it. Well, he's proving you wrong. Tag. He's proving you wrong. Uh, <laughs> although, I guess not. You're right. He didn't finish last night. Just four assists. Unbelievable performance from the top line. And, uh, you know, it is just one game, blah, 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 throughout all the cliches. They started hot against Toronto, yeah, and Placanitz was shut shut them down for a stretch. Right. Well, you know, it's one game, but I think we can start planning the dynasty now. It's pretty funny how this roller coaster has been going, yeah, Ken. Yeah, you know, yeah. the, first, well, the first week of this, we, we had them with a parade. Last year, we had them eliminate. Last week, we had them eliminated, and now we can think, start thinking dynasty. I mean, who's going to stop this first line? That's, that is the scary thing. Well, again, like... We said that sitting here after the yeah, you know the game right. one or game two win in round yep. one, and eventually there were some changes made, and Mike Babcock made the adjustments. I don't right. know that John Cooper is that kind of a coach that's got something in the bag of tricks, or does right. he give the players to pull it off? Yeah, it's it's a better defensive team right. as far as the blue line goes right. for Tampa, but they didn't show it last night, and they don't yeah. appear to me to have a matchup center that's going to able to shut down Bergeron. Well, that's just it. I think you know if, in that in that case you have to lean on your defense. And obviously, uh, they, their best defenseman is Victor Hedman, and they don't put him out there against the Bruins' best line. And so, if this guy, who's a, uh, a Norris finalist and probably the Norris winner, I would say, um, can't take the, the big matchup here, then what the heck does that say about that team? I mean, that guy with his size and his reach, he might have a half a chance of slowing them down a little bit. And they go with the McDonough with the McDonough with the McDonough pair with Strawman out there, and I don't I don't quite get that what that's about. Well, apparently they were very good in the Devils series right. against Taylor Hall, who might yeah. be the you know the this MVP is totally different though, isn't it? it? Is, I mean, it is, Taylor it Hall is a great player, had a great season, but this is this is three Taylor Halls on one line. Not to mention McDonough, we saw him three times late in the year when he got after he got traded, and uh, I, I don't I I thought the Bruins should have traded for him. So right. I'll admit that exactly uh, I've been fooled. Yep, I was but there. But he has looked terrible. It's really in weird. Four games against the Bruins, right? I mean, I mean, I guess he kind awful. of settled in at some point there because they didn't uh, completely regret the, the move that they made. And 
like you said, he had a good series against the Devils, but uh, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me, especially if, if points at the point if Braden Point and his line aren't going to you know do what they're supposed to do. But they were completely outclassed last night, and so were the defense. And you know, you still kept having that Headman uh, matchup against the Krejci line. And it, you know, if you look at the analytics of it, uh, that they did a pretty good job on them. But clearly, Rick Nash two goals, and you know, it was all about the timely scores. It wasn't about uh, dominating possession or play it yesterday. Yeah, does Stamkos have a point? Because if you just tuned in late in the second period and you watched from like the last four or five minutes of the second to the first four or five minutes of the third, you would think, God, they're getting outclassed here. Right. And they were. You look at the shot totals and the t- the attempts, the course numbers, everything. It just right. it, it escalates. But the timely goals, being able to, to limit the top line, not that ability not there. And Rask outplayed Vasilevsky at least exactly. in one game. They did, yeah, they needed, you know, they like Bruce Cassie likes to say, they needed a save and they didn't get a save. And, you know, even in the first period, um, they outshot him, but I um, was ready to, you know, tweet. My tweet was going to be outworked. It was going to be like a one-word, you know, assessment of the first period, and then Bergeron scores. Bergeron scores, and you can't say, "Hey, I can't uh, criticize this team here." Forty seconds into the second, Bergeron scores, yeah. which was a great sell from Pasternak, who's becoming an elite player. And you match up these two top lines, uh, like who's the better line? Right. It, I don't even know. I guess it's close because Stamkos and Kucherov are awesome. Right. But. You would be hard pressed to get an answer if you ask people who's the third member of that line. Yeah, exactly. if you just ask the average hockey fan right. who else is on that line. Right. Well, the JT and, Miller is obviously an underrated player. He's had his moment. I guess his his playoff track record is pretty bad. I guess he's kind of uh, you know, he's had that kind of Rick Nash uh, bugaboo thing over these couple of years with the Rangers, and now he's maybe having it a little with the Lightning. He didn't look like he was uh, ready to pay the price last night. There were a couple of times he was out in the open ice. Uh, you know, one guy back type things and didn't take it to the net and kind of just wound up either giving it away or just firing a shot off on the perimeter. And we can't have that. You know, you need to have, you need to have those Jake DeBrus shifts every night. You know, that's so, the way it goes. Well, yeah, and, and the Bergeron, Pasenak, and Marchand, all three of them right now becoming, even though there were stretches in round one, as you right. pointed out to, to Pasenak, yeah. he, he didn't finish. They're all elite in their own ways, and they, right. they complement each other so well. And the crazy thing right now is they're doing the right thing. They're They're – Playing simple to get into the zone and to protect the puck, but then they're making these little fancy plays, like you said, that Pasternak pass to, to Bergeron, a few other things. That they're they're picking their spots correctly, and you know that's what they weren't doing those three games where they let Toronto back in the series, where they were playing fancy, you know, on the perimeter, playing fancy at the blue lines. You got to manage the puck and then go to work and use your talents, not uh, you know, not just be fancy, you know, be fancy pants all over the ice out there. The, the image of Game One is Marchand after the tip in. And Tyler Johnson just looking to the heavens like, yeah. God, I lost him for a second. This right. Exactly. And, you know, that might date back to the uh, almost lick of the face, right? So that's where it comes in. That's where Marshan's yeah, game is. Yeah, what did is. he whisper there early in the series? Yeah, I thought knows? he was going to double down. And- I think he probably whispered, I'm going to score on a tip and later in this game, and you're going to look to the heavens. I will lick you later in this game. <laughs> uh, no, but that's those two plays, but also the goal that made it 5-2, to two, just classic Bergeron, like sneaky pop out to the top of the yep. crease. That's his spot. Uh, NBC did a pretty good job of kind of detailing. I think it was Milbury. Like uh, when they came into the zone, Pasternak finds Marshan right. behind him. Yeah, and Marshan with a little backhand just knows exactly where he's exactly. going to be. That, that's that's awesome stuff. They have that uh, sixth sense going right now. It's uh, maybe they're long lost brothers like the Sedins or something because uh, they seem to always know where each other are. But for talk radio purposes, Rask is a better story. <laughs> and I want to go back to the last series a little bit with this. Yeah, because. If in Game Seven they lose that right four to three, okay, we are legitimately sitting here talking about the end of the Tukarask era in Boston, <laughs> right? They would have tried to trade him. 
They would have tried so. to trade Tuka Rask if I don't they lose think game so. seven, you, four to three. What would they replace him with? It comes back to that every time. You don't take two steps back on the goaltending. And uh, at the risk of, you know, solidifying my place as the president of the Rask Apologist Club, look at the goals that they gave up in that in that game. I mean, one went off Kevin Miller. You know, one's a breakaway. I mean, what? But nobody he... wanted to hear that. I kind of agree with you. There was there right. was one goal that I think he was faulted for. It was the second goal. Yeah, exactly. The Marlowe goal. Yeah, okay. He was a little bit out of a little bit. Source yep. coming right to left. There was a giveaway, I believe, and uh, you know, Karu could have got out there, blocked the shot. I'm not trying to make too many excuses. And clearly, his numbers were terrible. I mean, let's face it, his save percentage was sixty something percent through the two periods of that game, and it was going to be a terrible game. But uh, I don't think they were ready. To, I don't think the team. I mean, yeah, maybe you, you and I here, sitting here, maybe people calling and whatever listening. We're going to run him out of town. But I don't think Don Sweeney operates that way. I don't think they were going to judge Tukarask on one game or one series. I'm not sure he would have had a choice. There would have been, <laughs> I mean, pitchforks. This it would have been bad yeah, because well, you it, know people would not not have been, not only game seven. It I would have been games five, six, and seven. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I I mean, I hate to like play my old man card here, but when you live through 2010 collapse and you see what they did. They didn't panic. They kept well, now the it's a collective body of work, though. It's 2010 collapse for Tuca. It's the Cup final, which people hold him accountable for. It's well, the, the Cup. Well, obviously, no one, no one in the Bruins organization holds him accountable okay. for 2013 losing to a, a Chicago Blackhawks powerhouse with Patrice Bergeron playing on they his don't, last. Nobody legs. in the organization, not one. I don't think. So. Are, you, are you kidding me? There's got to be that... somebody in there that's like, <laughs> oh, I should have got make a save. Well, maybe somebody that maybe somebody that Tuka didn't uh, give a Christmas card to or something. I don't think anyone holds any grudges for that against Tuka Rask, considering the way things went down in those last two minutes of that game. Well, I just pulled up for for uh, giggles the free agent goalie class. Apparently, yeah. it's Carter Hutton and Anti Ranta. Oh, there so, you go. I don't know if we actually would have been calling for those guys. To you be could sign signed. them both. Maybe, you know, I know we all want to trade for Martin Jones. I know it's all about Martin Jones in this town. He's like the president. He's like, he could run for mayor of Boston, I think, Martin Jones. Because he was here for a day. But he looked but he looked brilliant last night, I'll tell you. I mean, geez. I mean, obviously, they, they bailed him out and went in that game of double overtime. But it, uh, he didn't make any sensational saves that Tuka Rask didn't make either. Well, Rask was really, really good yesterday, and um, the, of course, you know the the, the skate blade incident yeah. was odd. It was just bizarre. it was just yeah, it was odd. I think uh, again, it's like anything to nitpick with this guy. People talking about he should have pushed the post off, he should have done this or that. But uh, I'm pretty sure he, to the moment, he wasn't thinking strategically there. He just couldn't believe that his skate blade popped off. And we know what his temper is like, and so he tried to do what he would normally do, which is get a whistle. And I guess by the letter of the law, they couldn't really blow the whistle there. And that's the way it goes. I don't even know. I, to be honest, I've heard like a million analysts yeah. talk about this for probably too long, right. longer than the game deserves. Oh, but God. I'm, yeah. I'm still not clear as to whether they could or right. could not have, or well, should guess, have blown the whistle. I guess the quote from Tuca afterwards that they told him that if they had seen it, they would have blown it dead. So, you well, know, that's BS because they definitely saw it. Well, you would think they the saw The official him. had the whistle to like his mouth. Right, yeah. I mean, I don't know what... I think everyone's just trying to cover their rear end. Kind of like uh, whether or not they told Marsha to stop licking people. It's like you have conflicting stories from the same source. It's like <laughs> whatever it is to draw up the controversy. But, you know, it is... They could have maybe stopped it just based on it being a safety issue because if that blade gets knocked out into the ice, somebody could skate over it. I mean, it's like if somebody threw something from the stands, right? If they stopped the play. I mean, obviously the rule that we see as far as equipment... But you could maybe apply a different rule to it and say that if there's something, you know, a foreign, a foreign object on the ice, maybe you don't want guys skating around it, especially when it's a sharp blade. I guess. I don't, I don't, what do you even want as a hockey fan? Would you want it blown dead? Obviously, if you're a Tampa fan, you would not. Like right. Jack Edwards went crazy in the first round and was still going <laughs> no crazy way. yesterday. Did he with, go crazy? With a different situation. With uh, I never heard of Jack Edwards going crazy ever. 
Oh, but that was Johnson. That was a yeah. forward who was down right. in the zone and was like in trouble. Yeah, I mean that was or potentially right. I mean just. Yeah, it this is, is, this I guess is, it's hard to say, but I think, you know, it happens so rarely, maybe you do blow it dead. And, you know, they scored and say, oh, you shouldn't blow it dead, but that that blade was sitting there for quite a amount of time before the goal went in, so it wasn't like, you know, you would have been blowing dead a goal on them at that point. If you see it pop out and he's the goalie's yelling about something, clearly there's an issue. What if what if he was injured and you're just ignoring him? You know, what if he had some sort of groin or hammy just popped on him or something? And I think he should have just taken the mask off and just. Well, that's just it. I mean, it, clearly, if if he was had his, if he had his wits about him, he would have done something like that. But he's he's too carrasque and he's going to pop a nutty, you know. <laughs> and if he could throw a, a razor blade at somebody, hey, do it, you know. Yeah, right at the wall. Any chance he gets suspended for that? Uh, they'll I don't be, like, think so. through that? I'm sure he'll get a, a call from the league, maybe a little talking to. But I would have liked to have seen that that blade like stuck into the wall. You know, maybe he's got a uh, second career. Doing some target practice, maybe some, you know, well, knock, knocking out Apple off an assistant's head or something. Rats stopped 34 shots last night. One even strength goal. That one was on the power play, of course, with bizarre circumstances. This is a guy who was pulled in game five, although was kind of half done for right. both. And the one goal purposes. he gave up yesterday, even strength, was it went off Grizzly. It was a total breakdown in front of him. I mean, there was no chance for that one if we're nitpicking here. The, also. That was the, what, was the Girardi goal? Yeah. The Did one. it go off Grizzly? Yeah, it I went thought off it Grizzly. just I thought it just floated in. Nah, it went. It definitely deflected. Definitely changed direction there. So okay. Well, either way, I, yeah. I mean, he didn't see it clearly. If it did change direction, um, I think for if you're a Bruins fan though, you feel pretty good that a guy was able to erase round one oh, and go down was, there and have that kind exactly. of a performance yesterday. Well, well, that's what he does. I mean, everyone talks about oh, you know, he's so he's too calm or all these crazy fans that want him to go out there and pump his arms every two seconds, but uh, that's what he does. He that's what his his key to success is he turns the page. He never lets a period or a game or anything bother him. He just goes out there and he's kind of robotic in that in that sense in that he knows uh, to reset. And you know what? That first period last night, uh, like I was saying about them getting outworked in that first period, he saved their their butts because uh, they they weren't getting the matchups. They wound up with Miller and Grizzly a lot of, a lot out there against that Stamkos line. There were a lot of great chances. I mean, two minutes into the game, Stamkos had an open shot. And, That's and one of his best saves of the game. Two, yeah, two minutes exactly. In. And it's a it's a great save based on the actual save. It's also, I mean, can you imagine the mentality? Like you're saying, we're coming off that that game seven. Yep. He gives up a goal two minutes into the game, into the series. I mean, geez, that would have you know that, this team doesn't get deflated often, but I think that might have taken some you know wind out of their sails because. You know, you're going into the series. You don't know exactly what's going to be. You're trying to feel out the matchups, feel out the opponent, and you're down a goal that quickly. So that was a huge first period for him. And then once, you know, things got settled down in the second, I guess, you know, it's harder for both teams to get the matchups in the second, and the Bruins were able to kind of play that to their to their strengths. And then next thing you know, you had Chara McAvoy out against the Stamkos line more often. And so it worked out. But they kind of, you know, dodged the bullet in that first period. Which is another point to get to here with the coaching last night. But just to finish up on Rask, the other big save I thought of the night for him, he didn't have like that many highlight reels necessarily. He was really solid throughout, but the one on Palat with a minute to go in the second, uh, McDonough sold, sold the shot mm-hmm. and it went to the left post. Right. Krejci was fooled, yep. and that right there could have tied it up at three. Yep. The Bruins were reeling. That's a big save. That's that's the kind of save people were looking for in games five, six, and seven of the previous round that they were not Right, getting. exactly, and those are the types of saves that... Uh that you usually do get, despite uh, public <laughs> public opinion, and uh, you know he's back on track. I mean, obviously he's still giving up a couple goals. You know he's not going to get a shutout every night, but if, usually if if he gets if he if he gives up two, they win. I mean, I'm sure that the the, the stats would back me up on that one. And so uh, they're in the right position now, and they they're definitely playing with house money. They stole home ice advantage, and uh, 
it's it's hard to believe that uh, it's it's hard to fathom anyone beating them when they play like they played yesterday. All right, Sunday skate presented by Star Market. Ken Laird and Matt Kalman at Matt Kalman on Twitter. Uh, give us a ring, and I guess the story. I, am I overstating with stating with Rask? Would there have been calls, and would the Bruins have considered trading him if they had lost to the Leafs in Game Seven? If they lose that game four three and don't come back in the third period, six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. And as far as first impressions of the Tampa series, is Stamkos right? Are the Tampa Bay Times headline writers correct? Were there still things, if you're a Lightning fan, you come out of that game thinking, no big deal, we outplayed them for large chunks? Or do you think, as a Bruins fan, we got this? We got a top line that cannot be stopped. Rask is back. And we'll get to some other points here as well. 617-779-7937 to get on here with you until 9 o'clock. The coaching matchup, I didn't know who to give the edge to in this series. I guess Cassidy because he owned them in the regular season or right. took the series three to one. I wasn't thrilled with Cassidy last round, and I you were critical of him as well. Sure. Last week we were ripping him for not having Char out there right early. Yep. In uh, the home game, right? Game exactly. five. Yep. Also, the decision to put Wingles yep. on that Wingles the second line still, still baffles unbelievable. me. Unless they're hiding. I mean, the only thing I could keep thinking when you I've heard him asked about it, and he's he's explained it that he just wanted to get. A guy out there that could drive to the net for Krejci, but I think uh, maybe they're hiding some sort of Heinen injury. Maybe Heinen had some sort of issue and needed a night off, or maybe just needed a night off. Maybe because he was, you know, obviously a rookie playing and never played this many games. Maybe they wanted to just let him recharge, and they don't want to publicly kind of say say that. But that one, that's still out of character for Bruce Cassidy to throw Tommy Wingles in there. I mean, that. Didn't I mean, make he would a lot of sense. if they lose again. If they lose the series, he's getting killed for that exactly. all summer. Right, exactly. So you know, he put it obviously. He saw the light and went back to the lineup that got him there. Didn't give in to this Donato hype because that was not going to help them in, in Game 7 at that point. They needed to just have responsible players out there, responsible two-way play, guys with 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 experience. And, uh, you know, obviously that's a confidence boost to the team too, right, when the coach isn't panicking, isn't making all his changes, throwing a rookie in there. It I says, agree with that. It says to you guys, 18 guys, you've, you got me here. Let's uh, close it out. And that's what they did uh, a little more. Excited with a little more excitement than probably anybody really wanted, but they did it. They got it done. And last night or yesterday afternoon, the co- the, the idiotic dis- – a couple things from John Cooper in this game. You mentioned it kind of in passing there that Chara was able to get out there against Stamkos. How does that happen if you're Tampa? You look at the, the, the numbers. Uh, Stamkos played over seven minutes, five-on-five five against Chara, like eight minutes against uh, McAvoy. I guess McAvoy wasn't playing that well in round one. I could see maybe you say – we don't mind it that much. We're going to take advantage of the rookie, but it mattered. That mattered big time last night. Yeah, it mattered a lot, and I think it, you know, it has to do with the puck management that got better after that first period. I think uh, they won a few more faceoffs, and they got the pucks into the right spot, and when you do that, even on the road, you can get uh, the right guys out. And the, that second period, the, the, the Lightning, you know, when you don't have the determination of, of playoff caliber determination to go out there and, and, and you know maintain possession and get pucks deep and all that cliche kind of stuff, that's what happens. You wind up uh, with terrible matchups, and then, you know, he was trying to keep he was trying to keep uh, that go, those guys away from Bergeron also. So it got you know the, the Stamkos line. He's trying to get the, it got all mixed up. He winds up you know committing to this Sorelli versus Krejci uh, matchup that didn't exactly work in their favor either. Stamkos, Kucherov, and JT Miller had eight shots, but no goals. Uh, obviously, you know, Bubkiss in terms of the point department, and that's just stunning. 
Right. And, you know, you're down three goals late. I guess it doesn't matter. You can make the argument it doesn't matter. But to pull the goalie <laughs> with six and a half minutes to go and at the end of the power right. play, I would give strange. him Right. I would give him credit if he just did it at the start of the power play and said, we're going for it. But why did you do it in 20 seconds left of the power play? They didn't. Even, they barely even had possession at that point. They hadn't done anything on the power play. And maybe, maybe, that, maybe that was him sending a message to his team, like, if you guys aren't going to, like, Put on, put on, put some uh, pressure on them with the power play. Maybe you, you need an extra skater. <laughs> Maybe that was his insult to his team. Who knows? I don't know. And I'll th- I think you're right about Hedman. Hedman, if, if he's your number one defense and this is the Norris yeah. Trophy winner, he's got to be out there against. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean top what they're saying, what these Tampa people are saying, is that uh, Girardi or Strawman and the McDonough is the shutdown pair, and. Uh, who were they shutting down yesterday other than themselves? So maybe you have to kind of rethink that and go with the guy who's maybe the best defenseman in the league against the best line in the league because uh, obviously it didn't work out in game one. So I so far, early returns are Cassidy was looking good, looking like he's yep. got a team that's believing in him again. And Cooper's got major changes to make for game two. Yeah, definitely. He has to get major changes and definitely has to uh, kind of get through to his team too because even that – that fourth line they had with all that experience and, and grit, they didn't uh, do too well either. And, um, you know, the lineup, they you could say that the team didn't play as bad, like Stamp goes to saying, or that the headlines are saying, but uh, 6-2 to two kind of pretty much, you know, sends the uh, sends the message of what, uh, what has to happen here. It does, and I would say um, the Jake DeBrusque story continues to... Oh, yeah. To grow quickly, amazing. Uh, he didn't have well. He had the empty netter, I guess, yesterday. Right. He, other other than that, he wasn't much of a factor on the score sheet. Yeah. On the first couple right. periods, but because Na- Nash got the goals on, you know, Nash got a goal on that line, and you know, if you're if you're out there, you're doing something. You're driving the net. You're creating space. So, but the, the awesome desire that he yeah. shows to get up from a yep. pretty big hit from a big guy in, in Kalorn, yeah. block a shot, right. pick his stick up, dive out to the blue line. I mean, yeah. that's. Uh, Jack Edwards would have been going on for like <laughs> ten minutes. You don't think he is right now? Probably is. You don't think he's yet. still babbling about it in his basement somewhere? Uh, of course he is. But after most scoring the game winner, should be in Game Seven. That's that's a yeah. hell of a run for for a twenty-one. Yeah, year. I mean, obviously there's. You watch that the brush shift, and you kind of have to maybe suspend uh, your hockey fandom for a second there and think of him as a person and wonder what the heck's really going on out there because I'm not sure if he was if no, he was I mean, seeing if, hockey if, players if or he, he was seeing little two, birdies. If he missed game two, would you be that surprised? Exactly. That's just it. When he did come back in the game after missing his shift, I kind of was hoping maybe, I don't know how he doesn't wind up in the quiet room with, after that, but um, I'm not sure how much of it was him actually knowing what he was doing while he was blocking the shot and not even to clear the puck, but clearly... Uh, he did the right thing at the right time under the circumstances, but yeah, I mean, obviously this kid, they've they've played the right uh, card with him, and this is why when people are whining about Jacob Zaboral, Zach Sinitian getting seasoning in the minors, and the Bruins screwed up those draft picks, the well, 2015 draft class, exactly. round one class. So here's here's your first one that made it to the NHL after a full year of AHL, and we see what he's doing, and this is the way development works. You don't just bring guys straight from the jun- from junior hockey into the NHL and throw them in unless they're a super special talent. You actually have to develop the players, and that's what they've done here. All right, quick pause on Sunday Skate. Coming back, I want to bring Rick Nash into the story as well, but talking about Rask, the top line yesterday, and uh, the DeBrusque story, the coaching matchup. Game one yesterday, the Bruins skunked Tampa 6-2, to two, but the Tampa Papers and some of the players saying it wasn't that lopsided. What say you at 617-779-7937? But I'm glad Fred from New Hampshire is on the line because he's going to have to apologize for his consistent Rick Nash bash. Right. We'll demand that Fred do that next. We'll also hear from Cassidy, who I thought had a pretty interesting quote about Rick Nash after the game yesterday. I don't know if you heard you stuck around for that. It was, I did not. 
Uh, I'll let you hear it. I think it's something. We'll uh, play that for you coming up next. Sunday Skate here on Sports Radio WEI. Now back to Sunday Skate with Ken Laird and Matt Kalman, presented by Star Market on WEEI. Pasternak up for Krejci. David Krejci drops it off for Nash. Chris Nash in, shoots, scores! Nash goes posted in, and the Bruins regain their two-ball lead. A rocket is Nash's second of the game. Made it 3-1 to Boston. Technically, technically, it's the game winner. Rick Nash, second of the game, third of the playoffs. This is Sunday Skate presented by Star Market. Here with Ken Laird and Matt Kalman at Matt Kalman on Twitter. That was just after a Tampa power play had ended. Pretty pivotal sequence of the game, uh, Matty, because, uh, you know, you had the disallowed goal in there where it looked like the Bruins had taken a 3-1 to lead. They, nobody from Boston really bitched about that too much afterwards. Cassidy right. kind of said, all right, you know, he got caught. It was a cross check. Yeah. But that's one of those calls that you don't see in the playoffs very often. You don't usually see it. But I guess as, as, far, as long as it's Pasternak, you might as well say it was stupid. Okay. Uh, since you're a Pasternak hater. And then, you know, Tampa gets their first power play, and they had a couple of good chances. Rask was solid there. And for whatever reason, I guess this is another John Cooper criticism, very lazy change at the end of the uh, right. power play by Tampa to get off. They had three guys just kind of coasting to the bench. And Boston took advantage, and when you give Rick Nash that kind of space, he's still got <laughs> right. something. Unbelievable shot after they, the first goal of the game, which was the tip in on the power play. Yeah, they they were. I mean, they were backing off guys all all, all game. I think you know the Bruins were able to when they were able to get, gain the zone, they were able to do it with speed and had room to get those shots off. And uh, for once, Rick Nash buried it. And you know, obviously not for lack of trying with that guy. He's uh, been a heck of a story here as far as the chances that he's created, but. Finally got a couple goals, and maybe that'll get people off his back. Well, how did you think he played in round one? Because he had, by the numbers, one goal, one assist, 24 shots, was a minus four. Yeah, I mean, taking I totally, a lot of heat. I totally understand people want him to, to score. Everyone wants him to score. He wants to score. But the fact is, he drew a lot. He drew a few penalties. He created those chances. He created space. And, you know, I didn't j- think he was bad. I didn't think he, he was, was not bad, bad by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, the guy plays a great two-way game. He's not just a sniper. And people need to... I don't understand from day one with this guy. They got him, and people were cranky about it. I don't understand why you would add... Probably a future Hall of Famer to your lineup for the stretch run, a team that's contending for the President's Trophy, and you're bitching about it. But, you know, maybe... Uh... You're kind of right. I, we, we did a show after the deadline, yeah. actually right before they traded for him that day, and but it was pretty clear they were going to trade him. And there wasn't a whole lot of excitement, I wouldn't say. It was kind of like, okay, you know, maybe, but let's see what they give up for him. And right. they end up giving up a first and a good prospect, so people were more concerned about that than they were... God, if you really think Ryan Spooner would be helping them right now, I don't think you've watched the last three years of this team. I mean, Ryan Spooner had his moments here, but he's not a playoff player. He's definitely not Rick Nash, and he's definitely not a second-line winger for David Krejci. I mean, they had to meet that need, and they paid the price for it, but in the in the grand scheme of things, this team has a legitimate shot to win the Stanley Cup, so you go for it. He had a bad penalty in uh, Game 7, right? Yeah, he had but, a retaliation well, penalty. Bad in the fact that they ended up 4-4, four and four. good in the fact that they were dominant 4-4 four and four in that game. True. They scored two 4-4 four four goals, True. right? So, But, yeah, at the time, it would have been a power play, an obvious power play, but, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, right. DeBrusque scored the game winner right after that, didn't he? Exactly. So, you know, it's like, uh, I don't understand why it, he actually has it worse than Tuca. I think he was being criticized before he even got here and did anything. That would have been 1A. Uh, <laughs> I guess you, your your goats, if you lose game seven, would have been Rask for sure. Then Rick Nash, a close second. And probably Cassidy, third. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the, the Charlie McAvoy struggles. You're not going to blame him too much because he's a rookie. But clearly he wasn't himself in that series. And it was kind of... Wearing on them as a team, it kind of you know when he's not playing great, it reverberates through the whole lineup. Because next thing you know, you have to play Miller with Chara, and somebody else has to step up, and it becomes a mess. So, 
All right, well, I'm going to Fred, New Hampshire, but Freddie, you need to start your call with an apology to Rick Nash. Or we, there's a chance we're going to drop the call, all right? So would you, <laughs> would you apologize to Rick right away? I'm, I'm going to get the uh, Rick Nash. No, 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 no. Start okay. off with an apology. I, there's, no, there's no apology needed here. What I, I always give Nash credit when he has credit. Now, Nash, in game, game three, he had a great defensive play against Van Riesdyk. I understand that, and I'll tell you that. And yesterday's game was fantastic. But I'm not going to give him, you know, he's had a game. So uh, he's had couple, a, a couple games. But he's not, you don't give, don't let him off the hook. Man, too many people let this guy off the hook. He wasn't he, bad in round one. In the playoffs, he was okay? not bad for him. I like what he did, okay? And like I said, that Van Riesdijk play, when he made that defensive play against him, excellent. That like yesterday's game, excellent. And I'll give him credit when the credit's due. Thank you, Fred. But, you know, first thing. You know, I fired up my leaf blower on Wednesday night. It was a beautiful thing. Beautiful. <laughs> and, and um, you know, now we go to that hockey hotbed of Tampa. Florida has two hockey teams, two NHL hockey teams. Yes, they now, do. That city can't have a hockey team. I know it's money, but come on, the NHL. Smarten up. Come on, be what real. Now, we stole a game. We stole a game in Florida. You you don't have a, you don't have home ice. You got to steal one. Yep. You stole one. Go into the next game like you're down one nothing, not like you're up one nothing. And last thing, guys, Badcock. Do you know what his address is? I want to send him some chowder from Peavy's. Okay. <laughs> Take care, Freddie. See you, buddy. Um, you know, as far as the the play in Florida, Marshan was bitching about the ice in the post game yesterday. Yeah. I don't know if you saw this. Um, Here's Marshan's quote. I think we got a couple lucky plays. We didn't have a ton of zone time or anything. We got a couple plays that bounced our way. The ice is horrendous, so sometimes <laughs> it does that. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens this time of year. The humidity, the heat, it'll happen. Suppose, allegedly, you know, spring is here, and it'll happen here, too. I think even actually the uh, forecast here for Wednesday is 80 degrees, so you'll have the same thing going on here. It's like uh, just I don't care too much about what they say about the ice. <laughs> I guess you got to play through it, but it does. You can exactly. you can tell when the puck's jumping. It's it's oh nice. absolutely, it stinks. It's, I mean, it's hard, it's to, hard watch. to watch and it's hard to play on. But uh, this is the least of their problems. Rick Nash, though, there for whatever reason, has yeah. five goals, nine yeah. points in his last three playoff games in that building, going right. back to the 2015 Eastern Conference Final with the Rangers. Maybe that's why Donnie got that's when he got him, huh? Right, knew it was going to be a big match. Exactly. If we have to face the Lightning, you throw him in that building, he becomes a machine. Well, listen into this Bruce Cassidy clip from after the game. You tell me if this is anything or or just a nothing. Quote from a coach. Cassidy talking about Rick Nash. He was asked about Rick Nash and his two goals yesterday. Well, good. I, he had lots of chances in the previous series. I mean, it's not like I'm trying to sugarcoat it or make it. You know, he, he, he had his chances. He didn't score. Now, again, he's a guy that's, you know, history dictates he'll score. So he did tonight. We need it. And if he keeps getting the chances he gets, I, I assume he's going to score more because it's, it's what he's done. So very good timing for him, for us. I, I just came off to me as... There's a coach who's questioning Rick Nash, like a lot of fans, like Fred New Hampshire is. Right. That didn't come off as, like, gushing. That's the way he does it. Oh, good. Finally, he showed up. He good had a timing for him. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> I assume if he gets chances going forward, he's going to finish that. Right. Exactly. Hey. That's... So what's going on there? You're in the room. Is there some drama well, with Cassidy just, and Nash? I think no? that's just the way he is. He's so transparent. He doesn't uh, doesn't think twice about that, you know? it's like... But there's some guys he really butters up. I mean, he... He lathers I, I think with praise. Guy, I think when a guy's going through what Rick Nash is going through in the first round, he's likely to... Uh, but you said yourself he wasn't bad. I mean, 
You see beyond but he wants he wants results. He's the coach. I mean, I'm a you know us as outsiders, observers, we're able to obsess it overall. I mean, he, he's clearly he's not throwing him under the bus either. He's not saying like, oh, I didn't think he was ever. Yeah, score. but that's a he's game. Not... Whereas Rick Nash, you're looking for your coach to yeah. say, hey, oh, Rick was great. He was the difference in the game. He scored the game winner. He set the tone. Uh, I, I believed in him. People were were you know on him. none of that. He doesn't do that because you look at the way Tuca played in uh, Game Four. What were the quotes about Tuca in Game Four after he stole them the game? Basically, no Bergeron. They're not playing well. The quotes were. He was good. We needed the saves. He got him. He's not going to do that at this point, obviously. Clearly, this is what he's, his M.O. in the playoffs is to just not. Which just means he hates Rask and he hates Rick Nash. Oh, of course. He, just, like, he's like a typical fan. Exactly. Bruce Cassidy is average Joe <laughs> well, fan. God, he is, he really is, though. I mean, geez, you, you introduced this guy to anyone who's ever pulled on a Bruins sweater in the last 40 years, and he's like a kid in a candy store getting autographs and stuff and posing, posing for selfies. So, yeah, I mean, he kind of is a fan. but uh, I mean, I like him, but I, I was surprised he ripped. Not, not only didn't he praise... Uh, Rask after the game four performance. Game right. four was a game, that was the game Bergeron was out, right? Right. That was his one good game early yep. in that series. After game five, when he pulled him, he he had a chance to say it wasn't about right. his performance, and he did say it was about his performance. Yeah. He's honest. He's just honest. It's, it's uh, nothing to criticize for sure because you have to love it considering some of the nonsense we hear from coaches uh, in all the sports around uh, town and around the league. Uh, you know, the they like say sugarcoating things. It's a uh, it's it's uh, a breath of fresh air to hear him talk like that. By the way, in terms of respect, did you see the three stars of the game last night? Which are kind not. of an overblown thing. I did not generally, but it, you know, uh, what were the three stars? Stamkos, Kucherov, and no, no, they, were, okay. they actually were all Bruins. Oh, okay, but noticeably absent, Tuka Rask. Oh yeah, not n- does not get any love for a star of the game. You have any problem <laughs> with that? What would in the oh. Calman three stars last night? Oh well, I guess it's hard to kind of fit uh, Tuka in there if you're going to go. Pasternak, was it Pasternak, Bergeron, and Nash? Or what was it was, it? in some combination, but there not in go. that order. Bergeron, right. first star, which first would not star. have been my first star last okay. night. Yeah. But he had two goals, but he Pasternak was better. Right. Uh, Pasternak was third. Rick Nash was the second star of the game. It kind of just went by goal scorers, I guess. Maybe it's just yeah, easy I mean, to just look off, check off the score yeah. sheet. But you know. nothing from Fortuga, yeah. who was very good. I guess in a 6-2 game, they decided the goalie couldn't be a three-star. That's fine. Uh, broke out the new pads, though. You know, the shiny yeah. pads. It was the... That's signature another, moment, throwing that, the blade across the ice. That's another sign showing that he's just—he's not a uh, typical, you know, superstitious goalie. I think he just—he needed new gear and he, he didn't feel comfortable, and so he goes out and does it. So um, another way that he's just, you know, one, another one of the guys, and definitely resonates with the team to do that and then to perform the way he did. His numbers in the semis—they've popped this num- this stat up at some point. Two point five one goals against average in the second round of the playoffs, which is pretty good. So for whatever reason, historically he's been right. he's been better in rounds two than he's been over the course of the postseason. Maybe <laughs> yeah. as he gets comfortable after right. a series, or I it guess. just could be. But of course, round two is his ultimate demise. The the Philly series in two thousand ten. Oh, that's so true. It's kind of works both ways. I guess they kind of cancel each other out there. Uh, in terms of the Bruins' top line in the Toronto series, they had nine goals. In those seven games, they held Austin Matthews to, to a goal and an assist, maybe equally as important. Last night, again, on the ice, for, it, it was more of the Chara matchup right. against the Stamkos yeah, line surprisingly, yesterday. Surprisingly, it was the uh, Corrali backus heinen line that was mostly on against those guys with uh, Chara McAvoy down the stretch there. So, But still, the fact yeah. that you know mm-hmm. the Bergeron line, again, showing how good they are. Right. They played, for the most part, against the Palat line. The, you right, know, yeah, the Bra- point Braden Palat. Point, exactly. But th- those guys did almost nothing. He's a, you know, Braden Point's supposed to be this poor man's Bergeron, and I think he's just a poor man. He was after yesterday's game. and um, you know, So if they're going to take that entire line out, and 
outscore him, whatever it was, 3 nothing in, in five-on-five play. This is going to be a, uh, a shorter series than people think. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you can break out the Bruins maybe. but uh... Which, re- really, I would think as a Bruins fan this morning, you're sitting here thinking, we like this matchup coming in based on the regular season series. And historically, even going back further mm-hmm. than that, right? Sure. You have to love every, pretty much everything you saw in Game 1. Is there anything not to like if you're, if you're a, a Bees fan yesterday? Maybe you didn't see enough out of the... Uh... You know the the, the Riley Nash line, well, but you're you're nitpicking. You yeah, know? right. Exactly. I think. Well, I think like if they played like in the first period, if they if they kept playing that way the next two periods, and they weren't getting the matchups, and they were getting outworked along the boards, like I thought they were in that. Then obviously that would be concerning. And clearly, when you get a one nothing lead in a series, and you go into a second game, and the team makes adjustments, you might run into that. You might run into some complacency and and not. Uh, have that determination. We saw that in the Leafs series. The Leafs got desperate, and the Bruins took a while to match that desperation, so that would be an issue. And, yeah, Riley Nash looks a step slow right now. Had to get the motor to the fourth line. At some point, if the series goes long and you're looking for a spark, that might be the spot where you end up switching in a denaro for him and put him on the third line, you know, but um, Corrales is fine. But but a large big picture. You're sitting yeah. here thinking, hey, we got this series now. Yeah. You, you now have home ice in the series. Right. You're feeling good about it. A Pittsburgh team that's obviously tough, but if they move past the Capitals, you've played them very well. Right. And that's what I'm talking a about. Dynasty. I'm not now. even talking about the cup. I'm talking about dynasty here. I mean, you win the cup now, and then you're first going to plug in all these prospects that you got coming down the pipe. I mean, watch out. And Charles is going to play to his 50. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, one more segment to go here on Sunday Skate, presented by Star Market. Coming up top of the hour, Villani with uh, Bradfoot and Drellick. They are going to be down at Fenway today. A double dip uh, Tampa weekend because they got the Rays coming in here, exacting revenge, which the Lightning cannot do. So the Sox will try to salvage one today, and I'm sure they'll be talking about the Celtics' win in Game 7 last night. Pretty big week at the Garden. Four games. you got two uh, Celtics-Sixers game coming up in Round 2, and you got two Bruins-Tampa games. That's not going to help the ice two. either. Well, that's true. All that extra still be basketball. better than it is down there. A couple other storylines we have not got to. We'll get to that uh, coming up next. Uh, a double overtime game with some controversy in that one. Some people that are bitching about the playoff format in the NHL. <laughs> that are seeing the top teams go up against one another. And again, just continuing the, the uh, Tuka Rask and top line talk here on Sunday Skate. Your chance to get in at 617-779-7937. We're presented by Star Market, Ken Laird and Matt Calvin on Sunday Skate. Now back to Sunday Skate with Ken Laird and Matt Calvin, presented by Star Market on WEEI. Yeah, it, it, it's a huge win for us. You know, obviously, uh, they came really hard for us on us uh, first 10 minutes and and uh, Tuka made uh, great saves, and we was able to stick with it and get the first one, so uh, it's huge for us. Pasenak, no goals yesterday. Calvin will be asking him why he's not scoring again next time he talks to him. How about that? This guy who is, uh, you have a factoid of how historic the pace is on right now. Okay? Yeah. Pasenak with 17 points right now. Right, exactly. Put that in some context. Yeah, well, it's last year, th- only three guys, and we'll give credit to uh, Bruin's stats there on Twitter, Three guys in the whole playoffs had five goals, 12 assists or more in the playoffs. Crosby, Malk, and Kessel. That's the whole playoffs. And Pasternak already has that. We're only in game one of the second round. That's pretty sick. And for him, to, he's got 12 assists, which is three more than anybody else right now. Yeah. And, and for you would think he's going to be the guy with uh, more goals than anything. He's becoming a, a yeah. playmaker and a fantastic playmaker. And, of course, you know, I had this crazy thought yesterday. Or I've had it a few times since Pasternak and Bergeron and Marchand went on this crazy roll in the playoffs. Yeah, thinking about is this what it would have looked like if Tyler Sagan had stayed? It <laughs> do we, do we it dare could've. dig that up out of its grave? But I was like, sure. Could could this have happened? Or maybe 
this all everything happens for a reason, and maybe well, this spot needed to be open for a guy who can play the way Pasternak can. I mean, he played pretty well without <laughs> Bergeron in there for a large chunk, but you right. could put any elite score with yeah. Marshan and Bergeron. They're going to have exactly. some pretty good numbers, but that doesn't take away from right. what he's doing. It is just funny, though. I don't think your question was out of line because if in round one, he had four goals in the first two games, whatever, nine yeah. points through two games, then nothing in game three. Nothing in Game 5, nothing in Game 6. Right. And Game 6 was the one that really got me, because I think he had six attempts blocked in that game. He only had one shot in Game 6. Right, and when, right, he had one shot on net and six attempts blocked. So that tells me the guy's not paying the price, something's off there, and that's why you would have to make an adjustment. And you asked the question before Game 7, what right. do you need to do to score more? Yeah. He calls it a stupid question. Right. Uh, it is what it is, and you look at now. Look, now you look worse because you look at the top of the yeah. scoring. And it's like, oh, of course, oh, your, your signature hey. question is going to be. But I don't think you were out. You know, obviously, if if he didn't score in Game Seven or they didn't win Game Seven, you'd be looking at the fact that he didn't score the last no three question. or four games of that series. And you know, I wasn't even going to bring this whole thing up if uh, the general manager didn't give him props for saying it. I mean, the general manager said how proud he was that Pasternak said that. So good to see there. Look at you. I like it. They're, I like bar- it. they're, they're, you know, they're hated. down the hatches. universally hated by that yeah, It's about time. I got something. Somebody notices me. Better to be hated than ignored. Uh, the other leaderboard right now, as far as goals go, Pasternak has five. He's two off the uh, league lead with Gensel and Crosby. Yeah. Those guys score every <laughs> other minute. What, what, what would we have? I mean, is it too, too early to imagine this Pittsburgh-Boston series where every game is 8-7? <laughs> Uh, you would think that, but you expected that the last time they met in the conference That's finals, and, and Rask was dominant. That's so right. was Chara and Seidenberg, and they swept yeah. them. Well, because it was still a Claude Julian team, right? They were still trying to win 0-0, and I guess, basically did that every game in that series. I guess so, but I, I mean, listen, I've covered the Penguins for a lot of years. Yep. I, I like the Bruins in that matchup if it gets there, so yeah. I think you legit reason to be excited as a Bruins fan, which leads us to the bitching that's going on. I saw a couple players talked about this. Brooks Orpik was one, uh, the Caps defenseman. People that are squawking about the the format in the NHL playoffs, yeah. where the top two teams in both conferences now are meeting right. in round two. Yeah, I've been mean, sort of an anomaly because if you just yeah. asked anybody on the street who's a better team, Boston or Pittsburgh, right. Boston or Washington, nobody would care, right? That they're right. they're pretty inseparable. Yeah. I mean, I hated I hated this format from the minute they went to it. I didn't understand why you would do away with the one to eight, but clearly. The objective here was to try to create these series that you're going to have every year, and you might have Boston-Toronto play every year in Boston-Tampa. We've seen Washington-Pittsburgh play every year. They've kind of you know narrowed the odds of that not happening, but also they wanted to yeah, what's wrong create with that? the marketing with the bracketing and all that. Well, the, the, what happens is you have a conference finals in the second round. you got Nashville-Winnipeg and Boston-Tampa. It, it delegitimizes the regular season. You played all season to be the second-best team in the East, and then you're playing the, you're playing the best team in the East in the second round. Yeah, but the top team still gets a pretty healthy advantage. Tampa got the matchup with Jersey. They got a five-game series. Right, and the second team had to play the third team in the conference. So what? Win, win, the, win the division. It puts a premium uh, on winning the division. You can't just look at it that way. That's that's the baseball mentality, too, where they talk about that as if you can control it. There's so many things that well, have old, to be controlled. The old they baseball mentality, you had point. to win the division. They missed it by in. one point. They played the whole season and missed it by one point. They and choked then the it away in game know. 82. They didn't deserve uh, it. I still hate this format, for sure. But you know what? The Capitals, if it's Brooke Arprick complaining, Brooks Arprick. then I love it because... The Capitals have nothing to complain about. Well, but what what a, format would, would would benefit the Capitals at this point? Well, they don't want to play the one where they get a buy two. into, the, into yes. the conference finals because yes. they yes. haven't been there. That's what they're complaining about. But he, <laughs> but according to Orpic, 
he's got the pulse of the players, and yeah. when they get a chance after next season right. to, well, to bail out of the— Well, then they should speak up because they, they don't speak up nearly enough about any of these things. They let, every, they let the league roll over them on, on all this stuff. So, you know, whether it's free agency, whether it's the playoff format, whether it's not playing in the Olympics, they've let the uh, the owners dictate everything. So, good, st- speak up and maybe make the game better. Maybe kind of take uh, ownership of this thing. But if it's if it ends up being Boston and Pittsburgh in the conference final, right. and what, Winnipeg-Vegas, nobody's going to complain about their uh, winnipeg uh, uh, yeah, Winnipeg Vegas. That would be oh, the conference be Winnipeg, Vegas. Yeah, sure. Winnipeg San Jose. E- either you way, have it. Well, no one's going to complain except for the teams that got knocked out in the second round when they should have been in the conference finals. And plus, you know, I mean, like you're saying, no one's going to complain. Obviously, it's all it's all made for TV. I mean, the the fact is, this is all based on the fact that the Metropolitan Division. If you had the one through eight, you might have Metro teams playing against Atlantic teams, and that doesn't suit NBC's you know status. They want to have make sure they get Pittsburgh, Philly, Pittsburgh, Washington, Philly, Washington. They want you know when the New York teams are in there, they want to have that, and so that this this plays into it. And plus, we get to have brackets. Who doesn't I doesn't love like brackets. brackets. I like brackets. Now you also had, unfortunately, if you're a Bruins fan, Gordon Miller calling the game and no Doc Emmerich <laughs> yesterday. I don't like. I don't mind Gordon Miller. I don't hate him. Gordon Miller. He's between, a pro. Between he and Milbury, I mean, I know dry. That I was am, a little dry yesterday. I have no issue with Milbury. Milbury just you know, he's, he's not better trying, between. Periods. He's not trying to star. I mean, yeah, he's better between periods, but I don't have a, a problem with the color he just guy. Sucks the life out of the broadcast. I don't think so. I think he just he, he kind of just tries to like think about things and not just yell out nonsense. Like I'd some, rather nonsense. Like some between the bench bald. Glass. I like Pierre. Glass-eyed people. Nobody actually tries to add them. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> that was, well, we're cl- out. We're out of that. That's the classiest call I've ever heard. Uh, the um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Milbury, he he, he he analyzes the play. He, he kind of thinks like a coach, thinks like a you know an ex player, and I don't have a problem. He with might it be at all. fine as a third guy. I don't like him as a second guy. But <laughs> well, he was a third guy yesterday, right? Brian I guess Boucher, Boucher was there. But. Yeah. He was okay, but he just kept talking about the goalies the entire time. Well, that's game. what he does. He, he talks he does. about the goalies. And it actually was a good day to do that, though. I mean, I don't know if he's ever had his, uh, if he's ever thrown a skate blade, but maybe he should start. He's thrown a shoe. We know that. Uh, <laughs> so the rest of the series, we're not going to get Doc Emmerich, probably, right? Yeah, I think maybe be... maybe a week from today, if it goes five. If okay, it goes okay. five, clearly that's not going to happen because we know the Bruins are sweeping this series. But uh, I think a uh, Sunday afternoon, you might have Doc uh, in Tampa, but. Who knows? You know, maybe. Uh, I, know, I know that was Gord Miller's last game. Oh, he's, uh, he's out, going he's to the World Championships. Oh, okay, so uh, who getting, knows what they'll throw us? Maybe they'll throw John us, Forslund. The rest maybe they'll throw us some John Forslund. Hey, hey, what do you say? All right, uh, real quick. If you didn't stay up late, double overtime goalie interference call in the first overtime. Yeah. Right, Martin Jones got. It, it's yeah. it's worth a look if you want to just find the play. It's another it's NHL. Sad. Uh, Vegas got kind of screwed, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I by the letter of the law, it was a goaltender interference. But geez, stop, I don't think so. Stop protecting the goalies. Why, why, do you, why don't you think it was a goalie interference? Because Marcheseau, who hit his stick, was not in the crease. He yeah. was he was kind of maintaining his same line. Yeah, he didn't but, he didn't go into the but crease. Jones though. is in the crease mostly. Most of his body's in the crease, and I think that's we're talking about a play nobody saw probably. But anyway, <laughs> it's worth checking out. It's another controversial goalie interference call, which swung an NHL game last you night. You don't think the Vegas Golden Knights fans in Boston were staying up late last night? I mean, probably come some Gosher fans sure. that were up late. Exactly. All right, good work, uh, Maddie. We'll talk to you next week for sure. At that point, it'll be uh, we'll be five games we'll be in. We'll be talking about we'll Pittsburgh, game, Washington. Game five. Could be to see who the opponent is after the sweep. Are you are you predicting a sweep? Oh, of course. You home piece. <laughs> I had Bruins in seven before it started. And I'm just going to stick there. I don't know that Stamkos is right, but I they're going to win a game or two in yeah. this series. I won't I, admit that I picked Tampa to start the series. It's a sweep for Boston now. Okay, making up for your uh, Pasternak hate. Coming up, don't go anywhere. we got, I'm sure, some Game 7 reaction for the Celtics win last night. Also, some Sox talk as they're reeling a bit. Bradford, Volani, Drellick there at Fenway Park. Coming up next. Oh, Volani's not there? 
tapped out today? All right, well, Brad Fellandrella can handle all that. That's fine. Sunday Skate presented by Star Market. Laird and Cameron will be back at you next uh, Sunday from 8 to 9. See you.